from the nation's capital, this is D.C. Public Safety. I'm your host, Leonard Sipes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a fun show. Reentry from a former offender's perspective, we have Randy Kearse. Randy is a formerly incarcerated person. He is an author, public speaker, and a reentry strategist. His website, www.reentrystrategies.com, www.reentrystrategies.com. Randy Kearse, welcome back to D.C. Public Safety. Thank you very much, Leonard. I appreciate uh, being here again, being able to uh, chime in about reentry and hopefully something that um, is said in this conversation will help somebody somewhere. The criminal justice system doesn't seem to pay a lot of attention to the very people who are caught up in the criminal justice system. So that's the point of this program and a series of other programs where we interview people who have been caught up in the criminal justice system. You and I happen to be Facebook friends um, and uh, one of the very few professional Facebook friends that I allow into my Facebook, my personal Facebook world. I love the posts that you do on Facebook, but let's get down to your background a little bit, Randy. You were caught up in criminal justice system, and can I ask why? Uh, I got caught up in the criminal justice system at an early age. Uh, actually, from 17 uh, years old, I find myself involved in getting in trouble for different various reasons, and it escalated, and I found myself at 26 years old caught up in uh, a drug conspiracy, a federal drug conspiracy that sent me to prison for 15 years. And what I tell people is that I actually, you know, August 10th, this August 10th is a very uh, profound day for me because it's the first time in 33 years that I will be free of any type of criminal justice supervision or anything like that. August 10th, my parole ends. They would gave me 10 years uh, supervised release when I got released from the federal system. So from the age of 17, to the age of 50, I've been under some type of uh, criminal justice. Either I was in jail, in prison, on probation, on parole, uh, either running from the police, going back to fourth to court. So August 10th, next Monday, I will be officially free from any type of connection to the criminal justice system. And I know that makes you very happy. It does. It does. But it also uh, is a sober reminder that even though I will be free um, from that context, I will still always have the um, the residue, I, I might say, the past. You know, I'll always have a record. I'll always be uh, limited to certain uh, uh, things when it comes to uh, maybe even a job or things like that. So even though I'll be free, but it'll always be there something to remind me. The criminal me. record is going to follow you for the rest of your yes. life. Yeah. Yes. And that has an impact on probably everybody you talk to. Yes. And- Yes. Does it have an impact on family and friends? It does. It does. And I was just at a reentry um, gathering uh, last Saturday, and we talked about how reentry and in, in incarceration impacts the family <clears throat> because a lot of times the family isn't that well prepared for their loved one to reenter society because they have to now adjust their life and their roles and their uh, well-beings to bring this person back into the fold of being a part of the family unit. So there's sometimes a lot of um, unrealistic expectations for people that are coming home. I mean, you have a family or or, or a parent or wife or girlfriend who wants that person to go out and immediately get a job. And, you know, sometimes that just doesn't happen. And then that puts pressure on the person as they're living in that situation and not being able to contribute 
to the household. Um, and it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot for the family, and it's a lot for the individual who is reentering society. Okay, we, a short amount of time, 30 minutes. I do want to talk about the book that you've written. Um, the, the, in fact, it's the fourth book that you've written. But I want to get on a little bit before. First, I want to talk about the strategies that you have for those of us in the criminal justice system. Right now, you're talking to people, um, mid-level managers, higher-level managers within the criminal justice system. You're talking to aides to mayors, aides to Congress people. You're talking to the academic community because the colleges and universities take the radio and television programs that we do and run them verbatim in their classrooms and have class discussions um, afterwards. So you're talking to a fairly wide audience today. What are the key messages you have for those of us in the criminal justice system? I would say it's time to uh, rethink reentry in a way that is um, initiate some bold and innovative type of approaches. Um, what has been the norm or what has been going on in reentry up to this point. A lot of it is good, but not enough of it is working. I mean, we see the recidivism, the recidivism rate, and it's pretty much the same um, from 10 years ago to now mm-hmm. to 20 years ago. And evidently, I mean, you have to look at it and say, you know, what is not, what, what do we need to do to change that? And we, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look at it and say, you know, we need to do some different things. And there are a lot of different um, good programs out there, but they're not reaching and not impacting enough people to make a dent in the recidivism rate. What I propose and what I talk about, especially to those who are in a position to make some um, changes and to come up with some uh, new policies, is to you know think about what we can do to reach more of the incarcerated population and in a way that we can have a greater impact on them and a greater success rate for them not to come back. And that's where I come in and doing the work that I do and coming up with these these strategies that I've created and I help create because, <clears throat> I mean, who better to to be able to tell someone how not to go back to prison is somebody who didn't go back to prison. So these are the things that I, that I would say and work with, work, work with some of the successful people who have come home from incarceration and are now uh, business owners who are now entrepreneurs who are, you know, self uh, sufficient and doing positive things in the community, work with them, find out what worked for them and then use that and duplicate that all over the system. But you have that opportunity right now. What works? What do we in the criminal justice system, students, aides to Congress people, aides to mayors, what do we need to understand, first of all, about the system of people coming out of the prison system? And specifically, what can we do to have better outcomes for people who are caught up in the criminal justice system? I think everybody understands the challenges that a person faces when they come out. I mean, that's that's first and foremost, you know, when it comes to housing and employment and things like that. But I think that where we would do a better service for individuals that are coming out is to prepare them while they're in to get out. I mean, not just, you know, say, well, this person needs a job, this person needs housing. This person that's incarcerated, and I know from personal experience, needed a change in thinking, needed a change in behavior, needed a change in, in, in the way he sees the world, the perspective. So we need, we need to focus on how do we get those people to do that uh, uh, behavioral, cognitive behavioral uh, transition from the mindset that they had prior to going to prison, the mindset that they have in prison, to get them to shift that mindset 
for when they get out and prepare them for that, for those challenges when they get out. So we're talking about more programs in prison? We're talking about more programs that will help connect the person who is in prison to the the challenges that they're faced. I mean, honestly and truthfully, I, I've I've did my research and being from being incarcerated, some of the programs that are, are available in the prison really don't connect the individual that's going through the experience with the experience that he's going to face when he gets out. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's out there and the programs that are out there are being developed and created by people who haven't actually lived that experience. So it's hard to connect someone to an experiences if you haven't actually been through the experience. In theory, it sounds good. You know, it, it really does. And I mean, it, I'm sure that it's, it's meant well in, in tension, but it's not the same as far as me going into a situation to talk to a formerly incarcerated individual and tell him, listen, this is what's going to, this is what you need to do. This is, these are the challenges that you're going to face. This is how I was able to face those challenges. This is how I was able to overcome those challenges. And we have to be able to, to be able to create those type of programs that actually connect the person who's incarcerated to the actual reality of the challenges they're going to face when they get out. Randy, so your bottom line message is is an issue of authenticity then. What you're saying is is that what we should do is to get folks like Randy Kearse and others together, put them in a room and have them design programs that you guys could come up with better programs than the people in the criminological community and, and, and the penal community and the criminal justice system. You guys could come up with more authentic programs that are going to be reaching more people? Is that, yes. is that yeah. the bottom line? I, I think that would be a, a, a great opportunity. I think that would be a great approach. Um, <clears throat> again, I mean, it's it's not up to me. It's not about which one is better. I, well, I guess it is which one is better. Which one better connects to the individual experience? You know, that's the whole thing because you're going to have a person, and I've seen it. You know, you have a guy uh, come from the outside, and he's teaching this reentry program, and he goes home every day, and he does. He can't make that connection because he never actually understand um, what it, you know. You can tell a person to be patient, but you know they have to exp- they have to really connect with. Yo, wow, he did that. This person did that. He did 20 years and came home and was able to, you know, be successful. It, it just like it does add a, a, a air of authenticity when it comes to actual um, practice. Well, quite frankly, Randy, I don't disagree with you. It's something I've been advocating for years, there to be a think tank of people like yourself to guide the rest of us within the criminal justice system. Um, But job training programs seem to be rather straightforward. Um, Teaching a person how to be a carpenter, teaching a person how to be an electrician, teaching a person how to how to um, uh, lay bricks. Uh, You know, that's that's all pretty much straightforward. You don't really need to have a background within the system to teach carpentry. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy, understanding people, um, making that connection with people, uh, drug treatment. These are all pretty straightforward um, uh, modalities uh, in terms of helping people. It comes from the psychological literature. It comes from the criminal justice literature. But what you're saying is, is that drug treatment from a person who's never been in your shoes lacks the authenticity to reach the individual's? Well, the, the, the thing is, too, um, that's part of it. But, you know, you have to teach a person not only uh, a skill of, a, a, in a job form of in a job as job sense. You also have to teach them how to keep a job, how to act on a job, 
what what is the relationship between him and his supervisor and how that he can't allow certain situations to force him or make him think that he has to react in a kind of way. So, I mean, it's about teaching people life skills. A lot of people who have, who are incarcerated haven't been it, haven't had the teachings of how to navigate through life itself on a on a basis that will keep them um, out of prison. You know, we've been t- taught this this mindset that you know we we have to you know be aggressive or we can't you know take orders or we can't uh, do certain things because it, it hurts our pride or you know. So it's a lot of things that we need to teach people on how to actually live life, how to, you know, life skills that will make them before they decide to uh, get in an argument with their supervisor or their boss to think about they have a family to feed and what the consequences are versus them speaking up or speaking out. And those are the things that make all of those components that you said, you know, with the drug treatment, with the job skill, job training and everything like that, those all components have to work together in order for someone to stay out of prison. Okay, I want to get along, uh, uh, go to larger criminal justice policy, but a final question, and if I could get a quick answer, because I did want to start talking about your book at a certain point. Um, are you talking about psychologists and social workers and treatment specialists who have degrees and years of training <laughs> in this sort of thing? Are they going to be replaced by people who have been caught up in the criminal justice system, or are they going to be supplemented by people caught up in the criminal justice system? I think they should partnership with people who have been caught up in the, drug, um, in the criminal justice system. Right. And I that's what I think. Larger criminal justice policy right now, there is a huge debate all throughout the United States that we sense that we over-incarcerate the sense that we could release people, not put people involved in crime and justice issues in the prison system um, to cut back significantly on the amount of incarceration um, that we have, which means the great bulk of these individuals fall on agencies like mine. I represent the court service is an offender supervision agency, a federal parole and probation agency here in the nation's capital, but the fall, that burden would fall on parole and probation agencies. Um, do you have any thoughts about this larger criminal justice policy discussion that's been going on throughout the United States? Uh, there's there's going to be no quick fix to a, a, a problem or a situation that has been building for years and years and years until we um, work with these individuals to show them that there's a different way to go about living, um, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, because we have to be able to uh, show people opportunity um, in, in, all, in all facets, whether incarcerated or on probation or parole. Um, the parole plays a very um, important role in helping people transition back to society. So I think that that is a that is like a lot of times what impacts a person's decision uh, and the and causing them to go back sometimes because they feel pressurized or pressured from probation and parole. But um, hiring more um, supervisors, being and, and, and it, there's a compassion issue here too. This you know there's some of the people that work in. Um, corrections or parole and probation, they have no uh, real compassion for the people that they're working for. There's no um, feeling of 
empathy for these people. And, it, you know, when you don't show and when you can give a person a sense of dignity, I'm going to tell you, a sense of dig- dignity will help build a person's self-esteem to the point that they will think that they will really behave in a whole different way. And the system has become so um, cold towards a lot of uh, offenders that sometimes they just they just give up and they don't feel that there's nobody there to help them. But if you find someone who has a compassion, and, and for me, the 10 years that I've been on parole and probation, um, I've had nothing but support from my parole officers. And it, it helped a lot. It helped a lot. I had nothing but, you know, um, their willingness to work with me and, you know, allow me to do the things that I was doing. And it, 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 that, that made a difference. We're halfway through the program, more than halfway through the program. Reentry from a former offender's perspective. Randy Kears is by our microphones, back at our microphones. Formerly incarcerated person, author, public speaker, reentry strategist, www.reentrystrategies.com, www.reentrystrategies.com. Randy, what's the name of your book? The name of this book is Changing Your Game Plan. How to Use Incarceration as a Stepping Stone for Success. It's, it's, it's not a book per se. It's a workbook. It's more of a workbook than an actual um, novel or any type of nonfiction book. What makes my workbook so um, unique is that it can be done, it can be used in a group setting. With, it comes with a facilitator's manual, or it can be done as an independent study guide where individual can go within his own cell or, you know, on his own and actually walk, work through this, this program. Um, what I've created is a, what I like to call a rethinking readiness, prison reentry, rethinking readiness, uh, program where it actually walks you through the steps that you need to be doing while you're incarcerated to prepare you for getting out. This book is, I mean, honestly, it's a it's an awesome book. It took me over a year and a half to to write to put together. It's over fifty uh, thought provoking chapters, and after each chapter, there's um, questions that an individual will have to read and answer. And those questions bring you face to face with your own personal truth. It brings you face to face with the questions that really would hopefully make a person really think about their future, really think about where they are and how they got there. And this book has the potential to really make a difference in people's life. And what inspired me to write this book, to be totally honest with you, is um, my original book is Changing Your Game Plan, How I Used Incarceration as a Stepping Stone for Success. And it chronicles my journey from the lifestyle of being in the streets and, you know, dealing drugs and eventually, you know, dropping out of school and going to prison and all of the things that led me to where I was doing 15 years and how I was able to change that all the way around. And, I, and I've gotten letters from people all over the country, uh, people who are incarcerated, as well as um, counselors and reentry um, strategy, you know, uh, counselors and stuff like that. And they tell me how they were using that book, the original book, Changing Your Game Plan, How I Use Incarceration as a Stepping Stone for Success, as a, as a program, as a, as a way to help people uh, reenter society and prepare themselves so you know, I've always wanted to. I always thought this would be a, a better, um, have a better impact on people, would help people better. So I went about creating the um, the book, and it's a wonderful book. It's over 250 pages. Again, 50 chapters. Um, there's also a reading component where in each chapter 
um, there are words that are highlighted and there's a glossary defining the words in the back of the book to help people um, build their vocabulary. Um, and we and I talk about everything that a person needs to do in order to be able to successfully uh, not only transition back to society, but to stay out here. Brainy, what was the key issue that kept you out of prison? You went, came out of prison. You were under supervision by parole and probation. What was the key issue the key event, <laughs> the key element where you said to yourself, no more, I'm going to go straight. I'm going to be using this experience for the better good. What what was your key experience and what do you think is the key experience for most people coming out of the prison system? There are two questions. My My key experience was the fact that I didn't have ownership of my life, that, that for 15 years, I was, people had to tell me what to do, when to do it, how to do it, where I should do it, and having um, to be powerless. And I felt powerless uh, when I was incarcerated, and I never wanted to ever feel that feeling again. I never wanted that uh, feeling that I couldn't go somewhere because I was restricted, or I, I didn't want that feeling ever again. And that, I think, is a lot of what, um, People who are incarcerated feel, but then when they get out, sometimes is you know they rush, too busy trying to rush back into to life, and and they don't pace themselves, and then they want to find themselves back in the same situation. So I mean, I'm not going to say since I've been out, I've made all the right choices. I mean, I've made some missteps here and there, but none have been ever um, as detrimental to send me back. And I always tell myself I need to do better. I need to do better. I need to do better. But it's a constant reminder of where I was at. I never forget where I came from. I never forget that experience. That experience shaped me. And, um, you know, the food alone kept me from going back. <laughs> Listen, the food alone. Keep, listen, keep yeah, the that food, good food up there in that, Brooklyn. That, yeah, that food alone was yeah. enough to say, you know what, yeah. I, I'm not going back. Yeah. All right, look, two-thirds are rearrested. A half go back to prison within three years. Now, that figure has been replicated in various studies by the Department of Justice uh, multiple times. And there are others that give different figures, but still the bulk of individuals are rearrested and somewhere in the ballpark of 40 to 50 percent go back to prison. So failure is a common occurrence of people called up in the criminal justice system. You mentioned a little while ago about empathy. Uh, I think a lot of people involved in the criminal justice system have seen so much failure uh, and seen so many attempts to try to help a person get off of drugs, to help a person get the mental health treatment he or she needs, to help the person reunite with a family, to help the person find jobs, and to put a tremendous amount of time and effort and this is the perspective from the other side of the system, just to see the person fail. I think there's a burnout syndrome of those of us who work in the criminal justice system that would be greatly alleviated if so many people caught up in the criminal justice system were not rearrested and did not go back to prison. So my first question is, what is the key ingredient? We've heard what happened to you. You didn't like the food and you felt powerless. Everybody else, what do you think the key issue is in the fact that, uh, that so many people do reenter the criminal justice system? One, uh, a lot of people don't come home with a plan. Um, that's, I think that is a major uh, problem. People don't actually plan what they're going to do when they get out. And also, they don't see 
The, all we hear about is those who go back. That's the, all of the figures that you just gave me, you know, the 65% and all of these other figures, but nobody is focusing on the other 35% who stay out. And that's where I come in, and that's why I do what I do, to show people that there are people who actually never go back, who actually have sell in society. You have people, like I said, they become businessmen, entrepreneurs. Uh, people go back to to, to college and get master's degrees and they work in uh, these fields and we don't see enough of those. We don't hear enough of those stories to resonate with those who are going through that experience so they feel hopeless, you know, and that, that sense of powerless uh, powerlessness is, 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 is a constant reminder of wh- where they are. So what I'm doing and the work that I'm doing is showing not only people uh, giving you a blueprint on what you need to do while you're there to prepare for your life when you get out, but I'm showing you, uh, we just shot a film series called Beyond Prison Probation and Parole. And I've, and I've went and talked to various people who have been incarcerated, came home, and are doing phenomenal things. And we plan to hopefully um, get that inside the prison system so people can see and hear and be motivated, motivated, inspired by other people, that other 35% who don't go back. And I think that this is the time, I mean, especially when we have uh, access to, 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 to the media um, avenues uh, through video, through books, and these in- innovative uh, interactive programs on being able to shift and show people what their full potential is if they decide to embrace uh, a different lifestyle and a different way of thinking. And I think it all starts with the way a person uh, thinks about himself, thinks about where they are, and thinks about what they can accomplish in the future. I know... I'm sorry. I'm going to, no, 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 please. I, it's, we're, we're running out of time. If we had all the programs designed by people caught up in the criminal justice system, so if you had the psychologists and the social workers and the criminologists sitting down with folks with your background, putting together the right programs, mm-hmm. I heard two things, two themes out of this dignity uh, and, and programs with input from people like yourself. If mm-hmm. we had that, what percentage improvement would we have if everybody was afforded programs and with significant input from folks like yourselves, if the system really provided the dignity to the individuals who were coming out um, of the prison system or are caught up on probation, how much improvement do you think there would be? I think that with that's, that's, like I said, that's just one component, but you know, when you put it together with the employment, um, and the housing um, component, I think that we can probably, oh, man, we can make a huge difference in uh, people going back and forth to prison. And because, you're talking about 600 to 700,000 people every year coming out of the prison yeah. system. You're talking about their families. You're talking about your yeah. children. So you're talking about every year at least conservatively 1.5 million people. Yeah. I think that we can make a. I think we can make a huge dent if those type of uh, programs were created that really connect people with the the real challenges and the real experiences that they're going to face and make their um, plans, make them come up with a plan and 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 have a plan for when they get out, coupled with having some uh, housing available for them and having some job opportunities available for them and teaching them how to reenter society and stay in society. It's not enough just to teach a person and how to re-enter, we have to teach people how to stay in society. You know, but that's also going to require a, a fairly significant mindset on the part of the 
of the people of the United States um, to provide the tax money to allow all that to happen and to provide that sense of dignity, as you put it, um, to be more accepting of people coming out of the prison system and giving them, say, an, a, an opportunity for a job. That's going to require a fundamental mindset on the part of the American population. Well, I, I think I think society is ready. I think society is is um, is is ready for people to um, actually come back to society. I, I, one thing I love about this is, you know. One thing I love about America, and people can say all they want to say about this country or whatever the case may be, and there are some issues that we have to deal with as a, as a society, as a country, but this is probably one of the only places in the world that you can get a second, third, and sometimes a fourth chance. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, come on. You know, it, it doesn't get any better than that. I think that society um, as a whole um, is willing to give people a chance as long as they're willing to work for that chance and to be able to put in uh, and be productive citizens in society. We have to teach people how to be productive citizens in society. And I think that these programs that we just talked about and having people who have in, had those experiences have an input, they don't have to have the total uh, control over creating the programs, but just have a, uh, uh, be able to have an input would make a, a lot of difference. Um, Randy, people we stop. need to close the program. Changing Your Game Plan, the new book, what is it subtitled? Uh, How to Use Incarceration as a Stepping Stone for Success. It's a prison reentry readiness program. Again, uh, it can be done, uh, used by an individual on his own, or it can be done in a group setting. And I'm going to be... Um, all over the country trying to promote this program. Our program, our guest today is uh, Randy Kearse, formerly incarcerated person, author, public speaker, reentry strategist, www.reentrystrategies.com, www.reentrystrategies.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is DC Public Safety. We appreciate your comments. We even appreciate your criticisms, and we want everybody to have yourselves a very pleasant day. Mm-hmm.